I view the real estate investing way more conservatively. And, and I don't think young investors are looking at the risk because right now the tech market's on fire, the real estate market's on fire. I talked to a, a young man yesterday who got out of college and he's been trading stocks and his portfolio's up and he thinks he's this, you know, he created the next <laughs> you know, algorithm. And, you know, everybody is a hero. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Craig Coppola. And today we're talking about first, how to win in commercial real estate and what deals look like, what good deals look like, how to find them and, and build your criteria for commercial real estate. And then we also transition into learning about Craig's experience investing in startups and comparing and contrasting startup investing with commercial real estate investing. And I, I've talked with a few of you guys who are making that comparison in your own lives, your own portfolios. Hey, should I invest in you know commercial real estate primarily? Should I invest in startups? Because it seems like there's so much potential upside there. Should I do something else? How should the mix be? Anything like that? What to look for in startups? What the risks are? So much information. And today, Craig, he's a successful startup investor. He's telling us about his journey as a startup investor, what he looks for. So great stuff. A lot of awesome information here. You're going to learn so much. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you're interested in learning more and potentially joining our Passive Investor Club for access to our passive investment deals, go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and take the steps from there. Once again, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please do take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much, you guys. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. It also shows other people that, hey, you're learning from the show. Hey, maybe they should listen. And I'm always honest, always real. And I totally mean this. I appreciate that so much. That gives me some nice little warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That way you'll catch every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're helping y'all escape the Wall Street Casino. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, don't forget to share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Everything gets better when you focus on helping others. And if you know anyone who would like to escape the Wall Street Casino and you think we can help them, please do share the show with them and you can help them out. And we appreciate that so much. Once again, our guest is Craig Coppola. Today, we're talking about how to win in commercial real estate, and we're talking about startup investing and so much more. He's friends with Robert and Kim, Kim, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki. He's done some deals with them. He tells us about a deal that he's done with Robert and Kim. There's so much information in here. I'm burying the lead that you're going to learn a lot. So without any further ado, here we go. Craig, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Taylor. We're really excited about the next hour. Hey, I'm excited as well. I, you know, you have such a, a fantastic amount of experience. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about you know where you come from and and what you're up to these days? Sure. So I uh, I'm from I'm from Arizona. So I'm out here in Scottsdale, Arizona. But I was born in a small town in southern Arizona. From six kids, I was a third of six kids, and I'm really kind of the black sheep of our family. I'm the the only entrepreneur. Both of my parents were high school teachers, and. Uh, and so uh, three or four of my siblings are still in the same town and, and, you know, got nice careers and all that. But I've been an entrepreneur since 1983, 1984. And so uh, my background is I started 
I, I played uh, one year, and you can see in the background, I got drafted out of college and played one year of minor league baseball for the Twins and then got released. And I was trying to figure out, I didn't like the fact that, you know, in baseball, they, they tell you they can dictate your career for you, uh, the people that run the organization, which is great. So I didn't want to do that. So I wanted a, a career where I could dictate my own career. And so I, at the time, I had no capital, no nothing back in the early 80s. And so I got my job. It wasn't my first job, but I really worked my way into commercial real estate brokerage. So I started out as a 100% commissioned sales guy in 1985. And then in 1991, we started Lean Associates Arizona. We just celebrated in September our 30th anniversary. So I've been an entrepreneur and started our own company. There were seven other guys who started with me since 1991. And that's kind of what I've been doing for 37 years, you know, is be a real estate broker. And along the way, I've diversified and I've started acquiring real estate on my own account. And one of the reasons why we started Lee and one of the reasons why I went to Lee was so that I could acquire real estate for my own account. Because when you get to a big shop, I was with a company called Grubb and Alice, which is like CBRE or Cushman and Wakefield. They're pretty, they're pretty tough on buying real estate for your own account. Hmm. And Lee, Bill Lee was exactly opposite. So I've been acquiring real estate on my own account for at least 30 years now. And and it's been a, a really nice ride. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love uh, talking with folks like yourself that have you know decades worth of experience in real estate. And I think that could really help us uh, see where we stand today and, and maybe understand about uh, where we're going or where we might think we're going in the future. Now, um, the, there's this topic: how to win in commercial real estate. I want to talk about this and and your you know your book and everything, and then also you know learn more about investing in startups like you have and, and compare and contrast real estate investing as compared to startups, because as folks kind of get more into niche investing, startups become an option. And I think comparing commercial real estate versus startups is, is relevant because those are options that people are looking at. So let's talk about how to win in commercial real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote this, I wrote my first book. I've, I've got five out now and a couple on the way. But the first book was How to Win in Commercial Real Estate Investing. And the real, the gist of this is, you know, everybody wants the magic bullet. Everybody wants to just kind of, hey, how? Do, what's the secret? Can I buy liens? Can I go out and do this or do that? And, and my posture is, look, find a niche that you really want. Find something that is really near and dear to you. Learn it, explore it. And that's what the book is all about. Here's what you do on a weekly basis to kind of learn the marketplace. If you want to buy your first deal and it's a duplex, where do you want to buy that? What niche do you want to know? Know the streets, drive the uh, drive that marketplace at night, drive it in Saturday mornings. I used to drive Sunday mornings. What's it feel like in the morning? What's it feel like Friday night? And then you can start, once you start learning the marketplace, now I've been fortunate because this is what I do. I'm in the business all day, every day. So the questions that I always get asked from people that are outside the business is, how do we get into it? And that's my first answer is start really understanding it and taking time everywhere you drive, there's a commercial real estate opportunity. And so we have to start looking at that. And I, I've been blessed because, you know, I've been involved in it 60 hours a week for 37 years, but I also have taken all of my free time and started thinking about that. So from a real estate standpoint, I think the first answer is really know what you want. You can't, and this is this is counter to what some of these national folks are saying. I don't acquire property outside of my marketplace that I know unless I have someone like you 
in that marketplace, like I was just, I'm just on an email, I'm investing in some apartments in Florida. And so I'm investing with this person, but I've known him 30 years. We used to work together. I've invested with him for the last decade. And so I, so I will take, take his advice over, you know, other people that I don't know. So I don't tend to, and I would tell you, you and I were talking before this started, uh, I am, you know, I, I'm Robert and Kim Kiyosaki's commercial real estate guy. They have an apartment uh, investor that they invest with. But if there's a commercial real estate deal, they'll call me and we co-invest together. Or I'll bring them transactions. And Robert and Ken aren't doing, you, you know, if someone just throws them a deal, they aren't taking it willy-nilly. They have just a few people that they trust and have learned to trust over years. And that's what they do. And I think that's one of the key things is start developing what you want to buy and developing the relationships of people that you trust. Nice. Title really, officers, lenders. I really appreciate that, that you kind of, you said to understand about what you want to buy. And it, and it wasn't just in the sense of the particular asset, but you also talked about geographically. And I think these days we hear a lot of folks saying, Hey, I want to get into multifamily. And I've got this list of 20 markets that I'm quote focusing on. And that's just not really realistic. That's not focus. And that's not, no, I, I can't. I can't understand how uh, somebody. You're in the East Coast. I'm in the West Coast. I'm going to call you and go, "Hey, drive by this apartment. I'm taking a look at it." And I get those calls all the time. Hey, what about this? You know, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's in my world, my space. I, I'll, I'll be able to tell it. But there is an expert in every marketplace. There's an expert that you understand, and so you can be an expert in your niche. Let's say you want to buy self mini self storage. So I'm an investor in self-storage, but I only invest with these folks that only do investing in self-storage, right? So I don't have to buy my own deals, even though I acquire my own deals, but I acquire them in three ways. And I learned this from Bill Lee. So let's kind of jump around here first. If I'm not investing my in my own deal, I'm only investing with people that I know and trust and they have a niche. So this apartment folks in Florida or this mini storage that we just invested these guys have been building and uh, selling self-storages for 30 years. And I know them. They're friends. I go to lunch with them. I call them Friday night. And so I trust them. Uh, if it's my own deal, then here I only buy three deals. One is it's off-market. Two, there's three kinds of deal. There's a market deal. There's an off-market deal. And then there's a wow deal. And, you know, I'm only buying wow deals. I learned that from Bill Lee, our founder of our company. And wow deals go... I just can't not do it. So if I look at the back <laughs> of my 25-year history of what I've acquired, all of my best investments have been deals that I found that I knew that there was a market discrepancy. And I did it because I knew the marketplace. And so that's why I lead with, if you know what you're looking for, where you're looking for, and what the market is like, then you'll know if, there's, if it's overpriced, underpriced, if it's discrepancy, and you don't have to take other people's words for it. I think it's interesting that it's three types on market, off market, and then wow deal. Can okay, a wow deal, it sounds like you go find it yourself. It's neither on market or off market. It's you're creating it yourself. You know, yes. So I've acquired, I've acquired on market deals, but I've acquired them with a different, a different angle. Mm. So it could be on the market. Like I'll give you an example. We just missed one. What's the hottest thing in the marketplace right now? Multifamily, right? Yep. So we all go, hey, if there's one thing we want to do, we have you, we have this saying in real estate is, dear Lord, please give me one more cycle and I promise not to piss it away, right? <laughs> and if I add to that, it's like, and I want it to be the multifamily cycle for the last decade because this is the cycle of all cycles. 
So we had this listing. It's a, it was a two-story, 230,000-foot kind of back office building. In our marketplace, we have uh, call centers, and we were trying to lease it over the last three or four years, and we didn't get it done. And the building went for our, for our client as brokers. We were trying to lease it for our client. Building goes back to the lender. He brings in new brokers, and, and they're selling it into the marketplace as a multifamily developer, they're going to tear down the 238,000 because wow. it sits, it's got a huge parking lot. So it sits on 15 acres. So they're going to build this apartment. And I'm just kicking myself saying that's, you know, right in front of me. And I missed this opportunity. I could have seen it. We could have, you know, obviously done the brokerage deal, but I could have been part of the development. The owners that owned it, we were just blindsided by it. So, so to my point is I've acquired on market deals. And I'll later, when you ask me what my best deal is, the best deal I ever did was this on-market deal, but understanding that it was going to be something different. I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that is a, sounds like it's a tough lesson. You mentioned it sticks in your craw. So, you know, you're not going to learn that twice. You know, that, that's the other thing you learn. For, you know, I'm 60. I just turned 60 in July. Nice. If for your audience, the lessons continue to come. One, you just, you will always learn lessons. And and the, the idea is, this is great. I actually, you know, now it's like, I'm bummed I didn't see it. I'm not bummed I lost the fee because it's not as important to me. But it's more important that I, I, buy, I, I pride myself on being someone who's not just a broker, right? I, I'm a real estate acquirer. I'm somebody who thinks about this stuff. And I, I'm kind of kicking myself only because I should have known. A, a deal architect. And, and I yes. think this this thing about off market has kind of become, I don't know, I don't know if it's been a buzzword for, you know, the past 30 years, but it seems to me in the time that I've been a real estate investor, quote, off market was like the the secret word to make a deal sound awesome. But it also became, you know, this quote off market deal, the broker sending it to, you know, first his favorite, you know, whatever, right. 10 people. And then he sent it out to his email, but it's still off market because it's not on LoopNet yet. And I, I just think yeah. that's, I don't like that well, word, really. This, this, it's the same thing. This is this is funny. The, if you read every book, what what kind of car do you buy? You don't buy a new car. You buy a two to three year old car with twenty five thousand miles on it because you can lose the depreciation that you drive off the lot. That's full. Of, that's a bunch of bull. It's bull wacky because I looked at it for my daughter. I was buying her car, and so we're in the car. The car was. The brand new car was 37,000. The three-year-old car with 25,000 miles on it was 34,000. I'm like, for $3,000, I get a brand new car. But that's what's happening in the marketplace. The same thing's happening with your off-market. So yes, that's why we don't say, hey, look, it doesn't, it's on-market, off-market, and wow. And you know, as a broker, we're into the off-market deal because we're chasing listings. We're chasing, we're talking to people. But to your point, if you're getting it from a broker, it's not off market, you know, because the broker's there and he's like, unless you're his pal and I do see deals where they're my pals and they will bring them to me and I get to look at them first and I get the shot at doing it. So, so that, that is capable. And that's part of this, know your niche, know your marketplace, know who the likely person is in that marketplace that could bring you an off market deal and then go to them. And if you read my book, you'll say, go to that person. And start saying, I will close deals. I will be your easiest customer. You know, they the, the sellers of these properties are not looking. They're looking to sell property. They're not looking. It's like if you can go to them and go, well, I take every deal to Craig. People come to me and they come to me for a reason. And, and Robert, you know, we were talking about the Kiyosakis. The, the, they, when I used to be on the tour talking with them, I used to say, I have this 60-second analysis and somebody sends me a deal. I can tell you in 60 seconds whether or not it's a deal that I would look at. 
one I've been doing it a long time, so I can do that. So brokers like bringing me deals, or other people like looking at deals because I'll look at a deal and go, "That's I don't like that for this reason," or "I like that." This is let's get a little more information. But I'll make a decision like that, and that really adds value when you start talking to people. Craig doesn't buy every deal, but the deals that he does buy, he knows exactly what it is. So, do those criteria change over time? I mean, the, the market has obviously changed in the past you know, 30 years, but how much have you had to adjust those 60 yeah, seconds? It's not a stock criteria. Every deal you look at separately, every deal, every deal you look at and you go, okay, this is what this is. You know, if you're looking at multifamily, you look at a different something than you'd be looking at mini storage. You'd be looking. So you just have to look at it and go, okay, what are the three, five main criteria for this product type? And if you know it, because you've done the research on it, then you know, right away, this is not what I want. It's too big for me. It's too small for me. It's too fast for me. It's not, doesn't have this. And you can you can learn it over time, and you should learn it over time. You know that's the other thing that we we hear about. It's like if you're going to invest your money, be a professional about it. Become a professional. You know, don't don't take other people's word for it. Drive the property. I can't tell you how many times people are like, "I got this in escrow. Have you seen it? Do you know where it is?" No, but I, it just sound like a great deal. It's forty eight dollars <laughs> a foot. I'm like, I've been in that building. It's there's a reason it's forty eight dollars a foot. It's a piece of crap. And so it's like. The market's crazy flush with money right now. And so you really have to be cognizant and know your stuff. Nice. Now, I want to make sure, you know, obviously we have a finite amount of time here. I want to make sure we talk about startup investing and your experience there. And especially in light of comparing startups versus uh, commercial real estate, because they're they're completely different animals. But I know we have listeners out there who are, are looking at both and are trying to make a decision which way. Yeah. To go. So, so that's a great point. So I have three, I have a triangle, inverted triangle. At the bottom is my commercial real estate brokerage practice. And at the right, upper right is my is my Habanero real estate, which is acquiring real estate assets. And then the upper left is Habanero Ventures, which is acquiring startup and um, early stage companies. And so I've been doing both of these for 25, 30 years. And, and today I own about 40 different companies in this, in this fund. So I have a, a fairly big portfolio on it. And what I have found is, look, I... You can you can really you can really on this real estate side you can really learn and you can create opportunities and you can do really well over a long period of time with your hard work and and in spending time on you can win at this marketplace. This is a complete crapshoot. I've done about a hundred deals. I own forty today. This being startups, I want to clarify for folks. Startups, yeah, in the startup business. You know, I've got some stuff that I've learned. The first 10 deals I did within 24 months, it all go bankrupt. And I was just wow. committed to, I like the process, but I had lost a couple million bucks in the first oh, boy. few years. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? So now I've been in it. And now, now, now it's really taken off, but you have to, you have to, you cannot do one deal in this startup, in my opinion, in this startup, because you don't know which one's going to do well. So you have to get a 10 or 15. So when you invest in this the startup world, you have to say, I'm going to do 10 deals and put 25 or 50,000 and at least 10 deals and hope one of those will do okay. And it's so it's super risky money. Everybody talks about how much they did on it. Uh, and I'm doing great. Don't get me wrong. But the first two years or three years, and, and it really the, the, the point where it actually crossed was at least 10 or 11 years into the investing before I looked at it and went, I'm, I'm doing okay at that. And just in the last five years where I've said, this was a good thing to do, but I can tell you my financial advisor that has you know the conservative money, 
told me for 20 years, stop, you're, you're just <laughs> killing yourself, you know? And then all of a sudden I hit, you know, I hit a couple that finally paid off, you know, these overnight successes that 15 years after you invested and you put 50 grand in it, they give you a check for a half a million bucks, wow. but it, but it's 15 years later and there's plenty of, there's plenty of uh, dead bodies along the way. So if, if you're trying to get in and you just want one out deal, it's a very, very tough business to do. So what industry are you, uh, are you focused on one industry with your startup investing or how do you diversify? I'm a, there? I'm a jockey investor. So I, I invest in, in founders. So as opposed to the company, so I'm across the board, we have, we have some fun ones. Like we have a company called Nutty Buddy, uh, which is a protective cup company that you wear if you play <laughs> baseball or lacrosse. We have a furniture company. We have, I have 10 or 15 tech companies that are software. I own, I just acquired a company that's kind of in my space. You, you read, uh, your listeners should look at, it's called CREOneSource.com. So I own that and it, and it's, it systematizes and automates deal flow. So if you're chasing oh, cool. your deals, so for, for companies like yours or syndicators or whatever it is, you'll use our system. It's a SaaS product. So across that, you know, um, you name it, we've been pretty much in it. But it's mostly it's it's mostly because I invest in quality people that I want to bet on. But it sounds like, I mean, from the outside, it sounds like when you have to have like an iron stomach to keep doing it, because if most people when they invest in a particular strategy and the first couple go to zero, they're going to say, all right, well, you know, I'm done. I'm going to do you know something else. If, if not, the first one goes to zero, but you, you know, you stuck it out and found the way to be successful with it. As opposed to commercial real estate, it seems like the odds, anything can go to zero, right? You can lose your investment in anything, but it seems like the odds it's going to go to zero are a lot lower on the pace. We, we, yeah. I would say the worst loss that I've had on a real estate deal, I probably, you know, returned still 30 or 40% of money. And, and, and that, that wasn't, it was, it was for other reasons than the buy. It was really the great recession took everybody down. Right. And so you, you have to look at those kinds of things, but yes, to your point, I view the real estate investing way more conservatively. And, and I don't think young investors are looking at the risk because right now the tech market's on fire, the real estate market's on fire. I talked to a, a young man yesterday who got out of college and he's been trading stocks and his portfolio's up and he thinks he's this, you know, he created the next <laughs> you know, algorithm. And, you know, everybody is a hero. And I, I tell this story, if you got one second. So I'll tell you a story about my dad was a baseball coach. Uh, and so the reason I played professional baseball is because my dad, I was raised in a house. I played for my dad. He was the high school baseball coach. And he got inducted into the Arizona Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame. And the night he got inducted, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, you were a great coach. Congratulations on your career. And he says, Craig, you know, I was a great coach. And then my pitcher graduated. And, ah. and I, it just hit me right there. It's like, I've been in, uh, I've been a great, I'm the number one top producer ever at Lean Associates. There's a thousand brokers. And I think I'm really good, but I've been in Phoenix, Arizona for 37 years. The wind has been at my back. Of course I'm good at, you know, I just hung in there and did that. So I would tell you that this is something that, you know, real estate, you can learn, you can get better at, you don't have to risk all your money at, you can start small, you can find your niche. When you're in the startup company, it's like you're risking on somebody else to make it happen for you. And I didn't want that. So today when I invest, I, you know, I get advisor, I'm an advisor of these companies and they pay me advisor shares. And so I have more than just, I wrote them a check and then I go away and hope it happens. I have some of those, but for the majority, most of the companies I'm in, 
I, I'm, I'm on the speed dial of the, of the CEO and I'm making sure that I'm adding value because now I've, you know, I've done, I've done this for a long time. Nice. I like that. So I feel like you briefly mentioned the the great recession. I feel like we'd be remiss if, you know, before we go to the end of the show, if we didn't at least touch on you know, your perspective, especially when, when I talk with guys like yourself with so much experience in real estate, been through a few market cycles, you know, what your stance is on where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, everybody would tell you that this is the craziest marketplace, right? They're, they're, if you're looking at the, the debts going crazy and interest rates are so interest rate, low interest rates, artificially low interest rates are driving commercial real estate values. And then inflation, everybody wants an inflation head. So, you know, we're seeing inflation now. So there's just tons of money that are just coming into real estate, which makes it really scary. Not from a standpoint, can you still acquire stuff, but from what you have to pay for this. So if you just look at the whole thing that's going around, construction costs are going through the roof because of supply chain lumber delays, land costs are up because, you know, depending on the, if you're in a growth marketplace and it's been a long run. And then, and then you look at there's going to be a recession. Let's just make that clear. If you don't think this is different this time, it's coming. So if you're acquiring real estate today, let me give you a tip. Do not acquire it with high leverage. You have to give yourself, and when I say high leverages, you know, I, I would say that I'm at 50, 60% on my real estate max. And because you have to give yourself some credit. And it's not that you would lose the property, but if you have a lender, you're not going to meet your lender requirements on debt coverage ratios. And all of a sudden you're going to be out and they'll take the property back. You may not think they will, but they will. And so you know, it's it's one thing. That's why I never I would never invest in crowdsourcing. You know, I'm not I'm not I don't know the people. I don't know what the leverage is going to be. I don't understand how they're buying properties. It's just a different. I would acquire properties that I know and that I want. And I would make sure that even in the downtimes, these properties would be leased. So I like location on real estate as well. So the recession is going to come whether it comes next year or two years, five years. You just have to be prepared. So when it comes, prices will drop. Nice. Well, one of these days we'll switch from COVID-19. We'll update that year. Maybe we'll have COVID-2022 and that'll be the cause of it. Who knows? Yeah, right. (laughs) Maybe that's a too crass of a joke. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor 
or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Craig, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. You know this. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? So the best investment that I've made is with Robert and Kim Kiyosaki. And this this is that when I was telling this story a little bit earlier, back 17, 18 years ago, there was a property in my marketplace at 32nd and Camelback, which is basically Main Street and Main Street. Everybody knew it. It was a great marketplace. It wasn't on the corner, but it wrapped the corner. So it just there was a little shopping center on the corner, it wrapped the corner, and it had a a fitness place in it. At the time, it was called Twenty um, Four Hour Fitness. Who ended up selling to LA Fitness, and and there was a there was a seventeen year lease wow. in place, and it was risky. Not very good credit, but I loved the real estate, and I said if we could buy this, acquire this over time, this will be a fabulous location for somebody. So the point was, we could buy it and took the risk that the tenant would stay there, but we knew that the real estate. So I took it to Kim and Robert. I actually tied it up, took it to Kim and Robert, and I said, I'd like you to be partners with me. And Robert tells a story, so I'm not talking, telling out of, out of school here. Robert said, I, we want it all. And I said, no, I've, I've got it. And I'm, you know, and he said, okay, how about if I do this? I'll buy it. And if you pay me back my equity, I'll give you 10% of the deal after that. So I said, okay. So he ended up giving it to them. I got 10% of the deal with nothing in it. And then we started the lease and the, and the tenant ends up staying for, for 17 years. We did a 15 year fully amortizing loan on it. So two years before the lease was up, we owned it free and clear. During the lease term, it had automatic kickers. So at the end of it, we were getting, I don't know, a 20% of cash on cash return of our investment. Robert got his money back after about seven years and then and then started paying me my, Robert and Kim got their money and started paying me my 10%. When the lease was over 17 years later, we owned it free and clear. I took it to the marketplace and we just finished and it's under construction today. We did a, we did a 99 year unsubordinated ground lease on a senior living facility. So, and they, the senior living facility, they put 32 million in equity and another 80 million in debt. So we're in front of the debt. So the hundred million dollars and we get 99 years of a cash flow that was about 92% of their original investment every year for the next 90 wow. years, 99 years. <laughs> so it's a home run deal. Talk it's a about, great deal for everybody. Yeah. And so that's a deal. But it was to that point, it was in my marketplace. I knew it. I could see that long-term, this is where we wanted to be. And, and it came to play. Now there wasn't, there was a lot of risk along the way, but it turned out great. Nice. And talk about residual income. Passive cash flow, baby. Yeah, I love that. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? I put several million dollars into oil wells with guys I didn't know. Oh, did those go away? Yeah. And, and and they were great guys, but you know, somebody else introduced me. I didn't know them. So I, you know, that was really when I said, I'm a jockey investor. I need to know them. I need to know them well. They were fine, but they lived in Michigan. We were doing deals in Kentucky. It wasn't their marketplace. It was the whole thing in hindsight, you could just see the train wreck coming. And I didn't, and we were really close. It was funny. We, if oil had stayed over a hundred bucks for another 12 months, you know, I would, it would have, my 3 million bucks would have turned it into 30 million. It would have been a $30 million <laughs> deal in 12 months, but it didn't. And it, you know, the train wreck was there. So it was it, all the things that I'm preaching today. Those are, you know, that's a couple million dollar lesson that, that uh, I learned. Ouch. 
Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The, the most important thing that I've learned is that you're only as good as your reputation and the relationships that you have in the marketplace. I am shocked. I say this all the time. I, I would, I'm from Phoenix now. I live in Phoenix, Scottsdale, and I would never move out of here. I've spent 37 years building relationships and building my name. When I'm not in the room, people are saying good things about me regardless of whether it's a deal or not a deal in the community. And so uh, I think that I've spent all this time so I can go out and have relationships with Kim and Robert. You know, Kim and Robert and I have known each other for 25 years and, and along with thousands of other people. And those are just relationships that I've built long-term over people. And I, and I have that across the country with my people. So I would say I learned early and I learn it every day. The relationships in my life matter way more today than the deal does. And so everybody says it, everybody, you're just listening to the 60 year old guy saying it, but I will tell you that building deep and meaningful relationships is absolutely critical in your career and your life and how happy you're going to be. Nice. I love that. Well, Craig, thank you for joining us today, coming on the show. It's been so many lessons really appreciate that your time. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you do, any of your books, anything like that, where can they track you down? So, so the best thing is, you know, if you go by books, just go to Amazon and just type in R Craig Coppola, C-O-P-P-O-L-A. And then you can pull that up and you can Google me. You know, I'm at Lean Associates. You can, I'm all over the internet. I do have some, a couple of cool blogs, ones in commercial real estate. And so if you if you just go on there, my and then I have a, a book that I wrote called The Fantastic Life. So my commercial real estate one, if you go to if you go to coppolachaney.com, C-O-P-P-O-L-A-C-H-E-N-E-Y.com, you can go on and, and just sign up for our what I call my narrative. And it's pretty cool. It talks about real estate and trends and where we're going. And then my other one is called Lifees, like selfie, but a life, L-I-F-E-I-E-S.com. And that's a I, that's every week just a life lesson that I've learned. It's pretty good. People, I get I get great feedback from it. So it's just something I I started doing it for my kids, and then it turned into this thing because everybody was was wanting them, <laughs> and so I just I formalized it about eight or nine years ago. Nice, cool. nice. That's pretty cool. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe. And that way you'll catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.